Good evening, folks. Welcome back to episode 82 of Half-Ashed on September the 5th, 2014. And you are not mistaken, as you've likely noticed by this point, these are not the uh, dulcet tones of Craig Schneider coming across the airwaves tonight. Uh, Craig had to do some traveling tonight, so uh, I asked our buddy Barry Stein from Two Guys Smoke Shop, uh, twoguyscigars.com, and Cigar Authority at thecigarauthority.com. Uh, Y'all may remember an almost failed attempt this past year to have Barry on uh, when electricity knocked out his, or electricity, lightning knocked out his electricity uh, during a storm. And that night he was gracious enough to actually drive down to a local cigar shop. Uh, we had to twist his arm pretty badly, but he did go down to a shop and call back in, and which we appreciated. And since Craig was out, I thought, uh, who better to, to bring in than Barry? And uh, since then, he's changed jobs and changed geography, but uh, we're glad to have him. And uh, I understand you're up north now, Barry, but how you doing up there? I'm doing good. First of all, thanks for having me on the show. It's uh, much appreciated. Um, no power outages this time, thankfully. I remember I was uh, sitting in the apartment with my roommate, and maybe about 10 minutes before we were ready to go on the show, and there was a lightning storm, which Florida is famous for certain times of the year. And even though it seemed like the lightning was in the distance, power went out for like a <clears throat> 20 by 20 block radius. So I kept hoping the power would go back on. The way it is in Florida, power goes out 60 seconds later, it comes back on. Wasn't the case. So I drove down to a neighborhood humidor at that time. Uh, which is at 14040 Southwest 8th Street in Miami, Florida. And uh, I used their signal <laughs> to talk to you off of my cell phone. So that was definitely an interesting thing using uh, Google Plus via my iPhone. So Yeah, that that was actually worked out okay. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. it was definitely different. A lot of, yeah, I guess uh, wintertime is what you got to worry about losing your power up there, though. Yeah, I mean, so far I'm loving it up, up here in north. New Hampshire. Yeah, so far I'm loving it in New Hampshire. You know, it's been 90 degrees, and uh, so it felt like Florida. But come January, when I wake up in the morning to go to work and it's minus 10 degrees out, I might be changing my mind about the whole northeast New England thing. So I could deal with the Red Sox. <laughs> I could deal with the summers up here. I could definitely deal with the spring and fall. Winter, mm, I don't know yet. Yeah, I, I specifically moved to Florida not to ever have to have cold weather again. No, I, I miss the change of seasons because Christmas in Florida doesn't feel like Christmas. It's 80 degrees out, palm trees, and uh, just to me it doesn't feel like Christmas. So it'll be nice to be up here for the holidays and maybe experience a white Christmas again. So Yeah, you're. I absolutely agree. I love Tennessee for that reason, having four distinct seasons, but... I would just as soon experience the colder seasons through a window. <laughs> uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you can even instead of through the window, you could do it through social media. So I'm exactly. sure, I'll, sure I'll be using instant weather to show everybody that it's like two degrees outside. So <laughs> show all your Miami cohorts what the temperature looks like. Yeah, and it's funny because when I lived in Florida, I broke everybody's balls up here in the north about, you know, when they're complaining it's cold or it's snowing or it's sleeting, and I would take a picture poolside, almost like laughing at them. And I guess this is, uh, I guess payback's a bitch. So I guess that's what's happening. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. You're going to get to be on the uh, 
as a radio DJ back home used to say, the foot's on the other hand now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, but yeah, I worked for Miami Cigar for a while and uh, for th- uh, almost three years. Um, they decided to eliminate uh, my position, um, which had a lot to do with marketing. And they being in the cigar industry uh, for a company like Miami Cigar, um, they only come out with products for the most part at the trade show. So there was a lot of downtime. So they decided to outsource it, I guess, you know, costing a little bit less, restructuring the company. And uh, I remain super close with Jason Wood, who's the, now the president of Miami Cigar and Company. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to running into Nesta Miranda and Hector Paz and the entire Miami Cigar family. Um, I still speak to Jason a couple times a week, either on the phone, through text message. I still email him three, four times a day to break his chops. And uh, so it was definitely like it, it was a split that I knew was coming. And I have to give credit to Miami Cigar because uh, it was going to come a little bit sooner. And when my mom passed away, um, they extended my employment. Um, I guess not, you know, so I could get past that. Um, so I'm very grateful to Miami Cigar for that. And, uh, and then I relocated back up uh, into New England. Um, I made a little pit stop on the way that I'd rather not discuss, and uh, I wound up at Two Guys Smoke Shop in tax-free New Hampshire, um, which is great because I was living in Florida, which is tax-free on tobacco. So I got used to the cheap prices because I used to live in New York, which is a 75% tobacco tax. So what I'm, that equates to is a $20 cigar in New York would be $27.50. So it's nice to move to a state where there's no tobacco taxes and a lot of that has to do with the Cigar Association in New Hampshire, um, which I was at a golf event today um, that they hold every year to raise funds that they use to battle the state, um, to battle taxes and smoking restrictions. And uh, all the cigar shops, even though they're competitors, they act as one unit, one voice, and they, they you know, they, they talk to the Senate, they talk to the governor, they talk to all the powers to be to make sure that there's no tobacco taxes here, to make sure um, that cigar shops can have a liquor license and a tobacco license, which you can't do in a lot of states. And it's only because they decide to work together as one unit um, to have one voice. So it was really cool today to be at that event and to see probably the four biggest players in New England, um, you know, the four biggest shops putting together this event, getting along. Yeah. And, you know, the event's over. It's all right. You know, how am I going to outdo my competitors? But for the, for the extent of the event, it was, it was a nice family atmosphere. Cool. So. Well, you know, there's a lot of other states need that uh, legislative work going on. Uh, we just talked last week or the week before about Nebraska where they had actually gone out and the, the, the Nebraska Supreme Court declared that the exemption granted to uh, cigar shops and cigar bars was unconstitutional. So which it's now really, uh, illegal to... Which is really dangerous for the... I'm in- sorry? It's really dangerous now for the industry. Um, that ruling saying it was unconstitutional for cigar shops um, to have, A, a bar inside... And for a cigar lounge, it's now illegal. It will be illegal come October 1st, I believe, uh, for a customer to light up inside a cigar shop. Yeah, Um, that's crazy to me. Yep, it's extremely dangerous because it sets a precedence. So now any other 
can go and do it. You know, you look at New York City with with Club Macanudo. Um, you know, New York's probably the worst state round right now for the anti-smoking movement. And if they want to use now Nebraska as a as an example, this thing could steamroll all over the country, where it could eventually become illegal to light up inside a cigar shop, which to me is unheard yeah, of. Because you exactly yeah, and smoke. You know, you're going right. Smoke. It's uh, government needs to you know stop trying to control our lives, stop trying to run our lives. You know, we're grown ups. We make adult choices. Um, the tobacco, well, the cigar industry is never marketed toward kids. Uh, I mean, if you look at the event that I was at today uh, for the Cigar Association in New Hampshire, the average age there was 40 years old. I mean, there was nobody there. I don't think there was anybody there in their 20s. So it, it's a different, the premium cigar industry is different than, say, the mass market industry of the $2 Philly Blunt. And there needs to be a better definition of premium cigars. And kudos to Rocky Patel for that, who went before the Senate Finance Committee. And uh, he actually, the senator that led the uh, committee was actually open to discussing with Rocky the redefinition of a premium cigar, starting from scratch. And that's something that can only, you know, help us if we actually forget this $10 minimum that they're talking about with the FDA. The, the cigar making is an art form. And it needs to be recognized as an adult product. And uh, government really needs to get out of our personal and private lives. Yep, you're right. And, and you're also right with the uh, the danger of that precedent being set. Uh, you know, the, it's really easy for one state to use another one as, as that precedent, as that example, to create their own legislation. And uh, – when we have something like that that passes through a California or a New York, it's going to immediately domino throughout most of the rest of the country. 100%. And that's something that, that blows my mind as well. Um, over at the CigarAuthority.com, I've been posting a lot of um, smoking regulations, smoking bans, various laws that are being placed around the country. And for a while, I was putting some of the big articles on Reddit, and I was actually getting blasted for posting these and having a problem with, say, Cerrito, California, that wants to make it illegal to smoke in your own home. Um, and they're like, why do you care? You don't live in California. Well, I care because it's California now. It could be New Hampshire tomorrow. And it, it, and I kind of blame the college education system right now. I mean, living in New York, there was all these issues about the liberal professors in Columbia there's always stories about the liberal professors in Yale and Harvard. And to a sense, they're brainwashing the youth of America. And I noticed the one thing, the people that were giving me the hardest time on the Reddit seemed to be the younger cigar smoker, the 25, 30-year-olds. And I, I totally blame the education system for the liberalization of America. And it's, it's, a prob it's, it's a huge problem right now because this isn't the country that my grandfather fought for in World War II. It doesn't feel like the land of the free anymore. It doesn't feel like a democratic society. A perfect example of that is in Kentucky this week, even though the state legislators voted not to enact a smoking ban on city-owned and state-owned properties, um, including universities and colleges, they voted against it. The governor decided to pass the law anyway. So he didn't listen to the constituents of each person, each senator within the state legislator or uh, – 
and, and he totally said, you know what, I don't care what the people want, this is what I want, and I'm putting forth this band. It's no longer for the people, by the people. It's about the person that's in charge pushing forth its own personal agenda, and that's a huge issue. Yeah. Did he just do that through uh, some kind of executive order? Yeah, he did. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, and it's it's ridiculous that he chose not to listen to the people that were put into a position by the voters. So it's it's ridiculous. It is, and I mean, it sounds like political suicide, but we still see some of the same folks reelected. Well, certain states will always be red, and certain states will always be blue. New York will never, ever vote in a Republican governor. It's a Democratic state. They'll never vote in a uh, Republican president. Same with California. So as long as they keep voting in these liberals, and politics is a dangerous subject. When I used to have my own cigar store in New York, there were two things I never allowed. I never allowed the discussion of religion, and I never allowed the TV set in the store to have CNN or Fox News because it creates arguments. So, you know, I don't know what your listener base is, but, you know, I'm Republican. I'm going to admit it. You know, all the Democrats that are listening to your show might be pissed off at my viewpoint. Um, But if they're listening to your show, they're cigar smokers. And if they're cigar smokers, they should care about how we're being treated as criminals. I mean, it's legal to smoke pot in Colorado, but it's illegal to smoke a cigar in a cigar shop in Nebraska. It makes no sense. Yeah. I don't think you're offending too big a part of the listener base. It sounds like all the guys in the chat room are pretty much agreeing with you. So, I mean, and that's the great thing. And like every state, I know Nebraska, the 11 cigar bars that are affected, they had a meeting this week and they're looking for a way to, uh, to overturn the Supreme Court ruling. And it'll probably have to go to a federal level since it was on a state level. And, uh, but they're now working as one unit, much like the Cigar Association in New Hampshire. So I really think every, every state should have its own association. You know, start small and invite more people in. And the only way you're going to be able to fight changes is to have a unified voice. Yep, I agree. Numbers matter. A hundred percent. So, but. Well, we, uh... This is actually kind of cool. We got off into a rat hole before we even started the show. I, I like it. That's kind of our standard procedure. It's just going to wind up raising my blood pressure. It's going to, you know, everybody knows that, that with the FDA thing right now, if we don't act, um, eventually we're going to be walked all over. So, Yeah, I agree. Well, tonight, uh, I am smoking a cigar. I understand you're not able to tonight because of some restrictions on where you live. Yeah, the, the, the apartment I'm renting, um, the landlord of the building has two kids, and um, he doesn't allow smoking in the uh, house. And you know what? I'm going to respect that because he owns the property. Exactly. It's not, not the state telling me I can't do it. It's not the city telling me I can't do it. It's the owner looking out for his kids, even though there's never been a proven case of secondhand smoke causing illness, and it was reported by Forbes magazine that there is no link between secondhand smoke and cancer, and there was a report put out by the American Lung Association, and the only major news source to report it was Forbes. You never saw it on CNN. You never saw it on Fox News. You never saw it on the major networks. Why? 
It's because they're pushing forth an agenda that's, you know, people are paying lobbyists to push forth their, their views, but they're not based on fact. I mean, people aren't looking into the facts. Yep, exactly. Well, tonight, as I mentioned, I am smoking a cigar. And I don't know if those of you in the chat room can see in the video. It's not really wanting to focus, but it is uh, the Insidious by Asylum, which is a pretty recent addition to the uh, marketplace. I uh, I, uh, Tuesday, so I'm uh, sorry. I smoked one this past Tuesday, so I thought it was a pretty good sweet tip cigar, similar to that of Baccarat. Um, inexpensive, I think like four dollars a stick. Yep. And you know it's part of the Asylum line with Tom Lazuka and uh, Christian Oreya from CLE, and uh, I think it just started going out to stores um, last week. Yeah, I uh, went ran down to Tampa Humidor last night. There was a Toronto event going on, and Charlie Toronto was there, so we ran down just to say hello, and while I was there, picked a couple of these up, and for some of the reasons you just mentioned, mainly because they're inexpensive. They're all under five bucks. I think this one was right at four. Um, it was put out there and, and called specifically by the um, asylum folks a quote-unquote beginner cigar, where it's got, you know, it's maybe a little milder in strength than typical uh, for what's typically in the marketplace these days. And right. Still has some good flavor. It does have the sweetened tip, which I did not know before I lit the first one up. It was kind of a surprise, but you know, it's not overwhelming or cloying. It's 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 there, but it goes away by the time you get you know, a quarter of the way into the cigar. It's, it's pretty faint. That's the uh, thing I was impressed with the most, how quickly the sweet tip went away. And mm-hmm. when the sweet tip went away, it became a good mild cigar. Exactly. I can see firing up one of these with a cup of coffee first thing in the morning or, or whenever, but it's good enough to hold up for tonight for an evening cigar. I'm, you know, I shouldn't be overwhelmed with the nicotine. It is pretty mild, um, but I think it it fills its niche pretty well. It does the, you know, it meets the goals of what they're shooting for a milder cigar with the sweetened tip that's meant to appeal to what they're calling the beginner smoker. Although I imagine there are folks that like sweetened tip cigars that, that could smoke these forever and ever. And the last cigar I smoked this evening, I was hanging out with Brett Bowersox, who's the um, the New England rep for Casada, who's the distribution for Regius Cigars, and uh, he had a pre-release of the USA Exclusivo. Um, so I had one of those tonight. Extremely flavorful cigar. made it Nesta Placencia's factory, and... Uh, I think they're ten count boxes. They're getting ready to ship soon if they haven't already shipped. And uh, I smoked the one that had the uh, a shape similar to the flying pig. Um, you know, it was a fat torpedo with a with a fat opening instead of a thin opening of say a preferito or a, or a Hemingway. And uh, it was an extremely flavorful, creamy cigar. Some citrus notes. It, it kind of reminded me almost like a creamsicle. So. It was it was a pretty good cigar, <laughs> a little pricey at thirteen. Yeah, I'm not. But it was pretty good. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with Regis. Uh, the only cigar I think I've smoked from them was the uh, Regis White. I won a box of those last year in the Project Manana raffle that Cigar Federation does. Yeah, I've smoked the Black before, and it was an okay cigar. It was, you know. It was it was there. It was good. Uh, you know, I smoked it to the nub and then put it down. 
and you know, unfortunately for Regis, I haven't gone back to buy another one. But uh, the new uh, USA Exclusivo was pretty good. Cool. I would say I'd look forward to seeing them on the shelf, but I don't think I have a local retailer that carries them. Gotcha. Yeah, they're still, uh, you know, they're new to the U.S. There was just an article on Cigar Aficionado, how they're trying to expand their uh, footprint here in the States. Um, they're very big in the U.K., um, and they're trying to, you know, get further invested into the American market. Yeah. Does uh, Do the Quesadas make those for them? No, they're made by Nesta Placencia, but they're distributed okay. by Quesada. Gotcha. Because I just remembered that white label when I believe it said by Manuel Quesada or something on the back. Well, the last thing I got so far on this Insidious, uh, the last little bit of information is it has an Ecuador and Connecticut wrapper, Honduran fillers. Uh, didn't get any specifics on the binder. I don't remember that. Uh, comes in five sizes. I believe all of them are under five bucks. Like I said, this one's about four bucks. Um, anyway, that's about all I got to say about that for now. But uh, I guess we covered uh, kind of some changes going on for you in the past year. But I put a note in the uh, or a, a snippet in the notes that I really would like to uh, chat a little bit about a piece you did on Cigar Authority last week with the uh, Twitter followers. Yeah, last week we did a, a story on the Cigar Authority uh, radio show, which uh, you know if you're not in the Boston area, you can catch it. Uh, you can catch it online on uh, thecigarauthority.com at 12 o'clock every Saturday. And then, of course, you can get it on Podbean and iTunes or and even find it on YouTube. We actually recorded the show today for tomorrow at the golf uh, tournament. Uh, so tomorrow the taped um, show from today will go live. But last week we did a show on uh, fake followers and how manufacturers, uh, bloggers, um, media members, um, don't aren't what they seem to be. Um, you know, case in point, there's a blogger out there right now who has, um, or excuse me, a cigar company out there that has 82,000 followers. <laughs> and uh, if if you use one of the Twitter auditing programs, 90% um, of them are bought. Uh, and how you know they're bought is they don't have they don't have an avatar. All you have is the Twitter egg. Um, they've usually only tweeted less than three times, and they follow far more people than, than follow back. And uh, this all figures into an algorithm that allows you to see who has real followers and who wants to create the illusion of being followed by so many people. And yeah. the, the funniest thing about this is we kind of teased it on Twitter that we were going to do the story, and somebody went to probably Fiverr.com or whatever and signed me up for 5,000 fake followers. So <laughs> overnight, I go to bed and I have like 4,800 followers, and I wake up in the morning and I have 9,800 followers, and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so somebody got nervous that we were going to name names and call somebody out, and I guess they wanted to be able to say, well, look who's calling the kettle black. That's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. so somebody got really nervous, so you know, and you know, the cigar uh, the cigar media association this week, I think, uh, called attention to um, a relatively new cigar blogger who's doing the same thing, and um, well, somewhat it, new. Yeah, it's bad business. So yeah, 
Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna name names either, but either, but that guy's been at it for several years before he really did anything and as far as I can tell still hasn't done anything. Yep. So that, you know, that, that, you, you I don't like that. You built your followers by updating your website every day. You followed your followers. You built your followers by being genuine on social media, be it uh, Instagram, be it Facebook, be it Twitter. The same way I built my followers, and I see Cigar Coops in the chat room. The same way he built his followers, and we did the hard work, and we did what had to be do had to be done for us to get our message out there. And people want to. They want to say that they're in the big leagues and for whatever reason feel good about themselves. I don't know. But they buy followers to try to look important. And I'm not saying I'm important. I'm not saying you're important. Coop, with all due respect, I'm not saying you're important. You know, we do what we do because we're passionate about cigars. Um, We want to relay the information that we happen to have connections, be it at a local cigar shop, be it working in a cigar shop be the friends we made in the industry. And we want to help them get their message out. You know, at the end of the day, we're, we're fans. You know, we're cigar geeks. Uh, yep. So, you know, do the work and earn the followers the right way. And the same thing with the manufacturers. Put out good cigars. And if you want to build your social media base, interact with the customer. Treat social media like an online cigar event. you got people living in the middle of say, Idaho, in a small town that obviously Pepin, Rocky Patel, Manuel Casada, um, you name the company, the, the guys from Hammer and Sickle, um, the, you know, Phil Zengi from Debonair, they're not going to go to these little small shops in these little towns. So interact with the consumer through Twitter. Bring the cigar event to the consumer, and your numbers will grow naturally. Now, of course, none of the cigar people that I mentioned have cheated by buying followers, but, you know, I'm using them as an example because these are some of the cigars that I've smoked recently. And, uh, you know, build it the right way. So, Yeah, and that's that's the key. Uh, you, you be genuine. You interact with people. I mean, don't act like you're cut off from the rest of the world in an ivory tower somewhere. Right. And and it'll just happen. I mean, I'm certainly not a glowing example of huge success in the cigar world, and I don't really care. It's just the the people that follow me and I follow back, we interact on a pretty regular basis. And I think if you go putting on airs and building up a, a fake kingdom, then at some point and probably not too far in the future, it's just going to collapse on itself because there's nothing there. There's no foundation and and you buy a bunch of followers and you have no return on it because you don't know those people. They don't know you. They don't pay attention to what you're tweeting anyway. So what's the point of that? They're probably not buying your product. Right. So they're probably not even real people. They're all fake accounts. So right. They're just generated through some kind of cycler. Yep. Exactly. All right. Well, how about we jump on a little uh, industry news? I don't know how much of this we'll get through, but we've got a few items on here tonight. Uh, let's see what we got on here. Uh, we didn't. Uh, Craig and I didn't talk about this last week, but we uh, had already seen the happenings through through social media, actually. And uh, I don't know. Maybe you know Gabriel Alvarez. I was actually really good friends with him down in Florida. 
Um, he was one of the owners of the aforementioned uh, neighborhood humidor. And uh, actually, when I got the phone call that my mom had passed away on February 22nd, um, he was a person that I spent a few hours with um, to get past the initial trauma of, of losing, you know, my mom. Um, yeah. So Gabriel and I are extremely close and, uh, you know, recently engaged to Grace Sotolongo. Um, but I see uh, that you have the dues that, um, you know, he did leave Coots. And he was named the director of sales with Maya Selva. Yeah, and that was the part that actually intrigued me. I am not at all familiar with Maya Selva. I well, don't. Maya Selva, if you look, if you read what used to be European cigar cult journal, that's now just cigar journal. Um, they they list, you know, they have their award ceremony every year at IPCPR, and they had one of the best value Honduran brands um, was one of the brands from Maya Selva. Um, so they evidently they have a huge following in in Europe um, because pretty much they haven't had a director of sales here in the states. And uh, Cigar Journal is one of those magazines that's half in German, half in uh, English. Um, so they cater to both markets. So it's a cigar that has some popularity overseas that they're looking to establish here in the states. So. Gabriel's uh, position will be to help introduce the cigars to the various brick and mortars around the country. Cool. That's kind of what he was doing with Coots, right? They were wanting he to get more. More like an operations manager. He was the go-between between the factory and the the offices in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, he sales, but the director of sales with Coots was John Gonzalez, who used to be with my father's cigars. I remember him. He actually, uh, I was in Miami first time down and he gave me a tour of the my father uh, offices there in, in Miami yeah really 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 nice gentleman as well um, I, I smoked many a cigar with him when I was down in Miami cool what else we got on here this just caught my eye because somebody posted it through social media because um, I'm not a big cigar aficionado reader but I did check out this article and, and it was just kind of a side article not really in depth, but they were just noticing that uh, there are a lot of anniversaries this year in the cigar industry, and they they listed several. The EP Korea was five years old. The Florida Manicana is 20. Miami Cigar, which you're well aware of, is 25. Quesada is 40. Padron is 50. Sosa is also 50. We talked about them last week. Yeah, I thought look, that was that was interesting. You know, there, there are anniversaries every year, but it's it's strange to me that so many are <laughs> multiples of five. It's probably a good year to found a cigar company. Definitely, it seems like that's the case. And you know, I had the Miami 25th, they had the Casada 40th, the EPC, and the LFD. I had theirs. Um, Sosa actually reached out to me this week that they're going to mail me their 50th. But the cigar I'm really looking forward to on that list is the Padron 50th. Uh, yeah. which is going to be like a $100 cigar. Yep. So, you know, they, they're coming out with um, the Family Reserve 50, but that's different than the actually 50th anniversary cigar that's going to be in the humidor that's uh, with the lighter and the cutter through DuPont. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. My wallet's not looking forward to it, but I'm yeah. looking forward to smoking at least one. So. Yeah, and that's like a, a $5,000 box they're coming in. Yeah, and uh, Two Guys Cigars um, is actually, they ordered a, a whole bunch at the trade show. 
Um, so we're going to have them in our stores up here in uh, New Hampshire. Um, so if anybody lives up here and they're looking for a um, little shameless promotion, uh, that we'll have them. Yeah, give them the, the website again for their online presence. Yeah, our online presence is twoguyscigars.com. Um, we we ship all over the United States. Um, you can call in 1-888-2-CIGAR-2, 1-888-2-CIGAR-2. Um, you can speak to Ed or myself in the uh, office and, uh, you know, place your order with us. And, you know, if you call in and you place the order with us, you know, this week and you mention uh, half-ashed, you know, I'll throw in some swag of, like, hats or T-shirts that we have from various manufacturers. So uh, a little a little extra bonus. Well, cool. Uh, you know, I guess I'm going to have to call an order now. There you go. But you name it, you know, and we got some great house brands. Uh, I mean, we have like do- these cigars called Dos Hombres, uh, which is two brothers, and uh, or two is it two brothers? Two men. Two men and, uh, and two Dos, Dos Hermanos would be two brothers. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I lived in Miami for three years. I think I would have picked up the language. <laughs> um, but you know, two guys was started by Dave Garofalo and his brother, who had passed you know passed away a couple of years ago, and uh, so the logo of two guys. Uh, smoke shop and two guys cigars.com is actually Dave Garofalo and his brother. Um, so the Dos Hombres was created um, as, you know, their, their bundle cigar. And you know what? I, I've been smoking them like, you know, I work six days a week and I, I'll probably smoke them four out of the six days. You know, wow. it's, it's like a $3 cigar, but it's better than some of the $8 cigars on the market. And that's like an issue that I know some people have. Like, you know, I'm running this cigar authority, but I'm also working for a retailer. And people are wondering, does he have to say this because he works for Two Guys Cigars? And you know me. I I operate with no filter. If I don't like something, I'm not going to talk about it. If I don't like something, I'm going to flat out say it sucks. You know, people in the beginning, you know, a lot of manufacturers, they – they were like, you know, he's this freaking blogger. It's like, but they, they knew, eventually they learned I was genuine. Um, so, you know, if I review a cigar that, that happens to be carried by two guys' cigars, uh, I'm not reviewing it to try to generate sales from them, you know, because, you know, who's to say I'm going to be with two guys five years from now? So when I'm writing on the Internet, it's going to stay there. And I'm the type of person that I can't live with myself if I'm writing something that's not true. So yeah. you're looking for a good, inexpensive cigar that's like $3. Like, those Hombres is a really good cigar. My uh, co-host really grooves on that. He loves finding house cigars that, that are actually good. I mean, that's that's kind of a hobby for him. <laughs> I mean, these, especially the Maduro. I mean, they're not dyed. Um, they're, they're consistently flavorful. They're just good smokes. Yeah. And then another great thing about two guys also is that they're also um, part of this, this group called United Cigar Retailers. And what that is is uh, a lot of retailers are getting shafted all over the country because um, they can't compete with some of these um, online um, big conglomerate mail order companies that sometimes offer cigars to the consumers that for less than these stores are paying for them, which kind of creates an unlevel, un, you know, a bad playing field. And I, I realize, like, the consumer wants to get the best price possible. possible. Um, but they're trying to dictate with the cigar 
with the cigar aficionado is smoking by controlling the prices and enforcing you down a path. And uh, the good thing about United Cigar is um, these are cigars that are just for brick and mortars. So you're going to have people at brick and mortars that are going to be educated about these cigars. They're going to know everything about the cigar. And it's going to be a cigar that's never going to be mass produced that's going to not be consistent. And it will always taste the same. And, and one of the guys that's making cigars for them is this guy by the name of Nelson Alfonso, who does all the uh, design work for uh, Habanos SA. He's the guy that created the packaging, the new band, everything with Bahiki. And uh, he has cigars, you know, he has, um, he has Atabe, he has Byron, and a couple other brands. And, you know, I smoked a Byron this week. And it reminded me so much of the Bahiki. I mean, if I was actually blindfolded, I would have sworn up and down that the cigar was Cuban. And, you know, we know it's not because it's a cigar in the United States. But it, it it's just as good, if not better, than the Bahiki that he helped. You know, he had his hands in on the packaging, the, the, the whole, the whole um, marketing behind Bahiki. Um, you know, unfortunately they're $30, so I know they're not a cigar for everybody, but like if everybody, you know, people buy, it, it, it always made me laugh. When I lived in Miami, you would have people that come into cigar stores and they would try to sell you Cubans and they would say, oh yeah, I got Bihigis. Uh I got them in my trunk, $150 for the box. <laughs> BS, because even if you were in Cuba, they wouldn't be $150 a box. I mean, I remember when I was in Israel, and uh, for a bodyguard and a client, and we went to an authorized Habano dealer, and it was over $100 American because the tobacco taxes in Israel are almost 100%. So the, the MSRP on the Bihiki is close to $50. So if anybody says they're getting them for less than $30, they're not real. There's no way they're real. So, I mean, if you want a cigar that's, that is as good as the Bihiki, I mean, I really think Byron's one of them. And, you know, there's a few shops in, around the country that have them, Burns Tobacconist, um, which has the Chattanooga tweet up every year. Um, they're, they're part of the United Cigar Retailer Network, and so is two guys. And uh, ucretailers.com is eventually going to be redesigned, from what I understand, that will list all the stores over the country um, that buy them. You know, I know Coop's in the chat room, and he even reviewed it as a really good cigar. So um, there, are, there are some – and this is the one thing I love about being back in, in the Northeast – and it's not a knock on Miami. I mean, I love the people in Miami, and I, and I miss I miss Miami dearly. But Miami was like the worst place for a cigar geek like me to live in because everything was Fuente, everything was Padron, and that's it. And you get outside of Miami, and now you have all these different companies. And it's like I feel reborn being back up here in New England because I'm now smoking cigars that weren't available to me in Florida, and it's, it's just like really, really good. So that is cool, and I take advantage of my travels to to do exactly that to find brands that I haven't seen before. It, it's definitely cool. As a matter of fact, uh, I'll email you this week, and uh, I'll, I'll put you you know in touch with United Cigar, and I'll, I'll get you on the distribution list. So you know maybe you can review one of these cigars before you move to the DR. Cool, excellent. Well, we mentioned E.P. Carrillo's having their fifth anniversary this year, but they, uh, they're they also releasing a shop exclusive for another New England shop. I believe that's where Federal is, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're New England-based. Uh, you know, I was with Rick Gadway today. 
Um, he's part of the uh, uh, Cigar Association in New Hampshire uh, that we had the golf tournament for. And uh, so this happens to be for, for his shop. Yeah, and, and you folks listening may remember the uh, Medallia de Oro, which was the, the gold medal uh, a few years ago that was also an EP Carrillo Federal Cigars Partnership. Um, and this year they're putting out the Medallia de Platino, and uh, kind of the same dimension, six and a half by forty-four. Going to be two hundred and fifty boxes of ten at eight seventy-six per stick, which I thought was an interesting price. But uh, I had the chance uh, a year or so ago. Somebody sent me uh, one of the first release, one of the, uh, the original cigars, the Medallia de Oro, and man, it was a fantastic smoke. And I, I'm hoping the same for this one, and maybe I can. Uh, Get my hands on a couple of those before I get out of the country, too. I remember I had one of the original ones from uh, Cigar Pass, and uh, it was one of the better EPC cigars. It it, it was, and the, I don't know if they all came this way or not, because I only had the one that, that uh, somebody passed along to me, but it was kind of uh, an elongated profile, like a, like an oval almost, or had been you know kind of pressed in the box, maybe. It was very similar to uh, to one of the cigars that uh, Pete Johnson has, that has the half silver and half of the cigar is naked. That's uh, it. Uh, the uh, the gold, the uh, first line had half the cigar covered in gold foil, and this one will be a silver foil. Right. So it was similar to what Pete had done many years ago. Yeah, there was a Cuban line some years ago had that same same kind of presentation. Interesting. This uh, this cigar, man, look at the burn in the ashes just hanging on tight. Not yeah, even that. I spoke the insidious how well the ash held. Yeah, it's. I'm surprised. Uh, really, it's it's a really good stick so far. The uh, the sweetness on the tongue from the tip <clears throat> has mostly faded, but the smoke itself is really sweet as well. A lot of sweet flavors kind of coming through and. I'm I'm really impressed with the construction so far. I got nothing negative to say, and and for a four dollar stick, I don't think you I think you'd be hard pressed to beat it. And I think uh, the next news item you have is uh, the new Crown Heads limited edition coming down, uh, mm-hmm. the Mason Dixon project, uh, which is two cigars that will be released, one in the south and one up north. Each cigar will be six by fifty two and will be priced under ten dollars before local taxes. Um, 1,250 boxes of 20 will be produced, and the Southern Edition will have an Ecuadorian wrapper over Nicaraguan finder and filler. Filler, finder and filler. Yeah, I went to the Porky Pig School of Speech. So, <laughs> and the North will have a Connecticut broadleaf with the same internal components. Being that I live in the Northeast, I think we scored. Um, I haven't been a fan of Ecuadorian wrapper lately. I find it a little bit drying and uh, constantly leaving me thirsty. Um, so I'm looking forward to the north, but if they come out before you move, maybe you and I will have to uh, do a little north-south trading. Absolutely. Uh, I don't recall when these are going to come down the pike, but, uh, I, man, I'm blown away by how many uh, releases Crown Heads is putting out this year. And, and this one in particular, I believe, is they're calling it a limited edition, but I think it's going to be like the uh, one of the other ones, the earlier ones. It's going to be an annual uh, release. The uh, Las Caravares. Yeah, Los Calaveras. That's it. Um, so you know, here's another, here's another cigar company borrowing, and you know, all due respect to Crown Heads, and but here's another cigar company borrowing from what other companies do. 
Um, you know, you have the regional releases in Cuba. You had uh, Pete Johnson that did the Tatuaje uh, Red Line. He did it east-west. And now you got uh, Crown Heads doing north-south. So in a sense, it feels like the cigar industry is constantly recycling ideas. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how the cigars are. Yeah, it will. And and I agree with the uh, regional releases. Um, Nestor Miranda even had that Midwest release. And, golly, I love that cigar. Yeah, I couldn't stop smoking it. Um, I, I had trouble with that cigar, the box-pressed uh, Midwest ex- uh the uh, Nesta Marina Special Selection Midwest Exclusive. Yeah. Box um, Press version of the Dano 2012. I got six or eight of them left, and every time I start going down through the humidor, I see them and I start to get one. I think, no, I got to save them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What else? We, oh, La Aurora. Speaking of Miami Cigar and Nesta Miranda, La Aurora, they import. Uh, has a new cigar coming out, and we talked about this months ago when they sent the press release out. Um, I don't remember how many months, pretty early this year, that they were going to provide what they were calling a more modern flavor profile with maybe a little more aggressive, and the, the packaging was going to reflect that with uh, you know an aggressive lion rather than the standard lion that's been on their packaging for decades. Yeah, and, definitely one of the more modern tribal tattoo-looking lion uh, on a box. And it's funny, Jason sent me a little care package up in New Hampshire, and I open up the package, and it's a untamed box. I'm like, wow, he sent me a box of untamed. And I open it up, and it's filled with a whole bunch of other Miami cigar stuff, but no, <laughs> there's not one untamed in there. Oh, but, man. You, know, you bastard, how can you send me the box with not one of the cigars? And he's like, oh, I don't have any. You know, we gave them out at the show, and you know, I'm waiting for them to come. Uh, but, you know, fellow Cigar Media Association member, uh, Cigar Coop, just recently reviewed that cigar this week, which only made me want to try it even more. So, Yeah. Man, you got to get on him for that since you guys are good friends and he didn't bother to send, save you one. Yeah, so I'm sure I'll get him. I'm sure all the bloggers will get him when, they, when, they're, when they're available. <laughs> well, we got one last story here. Uh, Don Pepin, uh, Garcia. For those, I think most of you know the name, has is reviving the El Rey de los Habanos line to release as a shop shop specific cigar uh, up in Cigar Coop's neck of the woods at the Pipe and Pint in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, I don't have just a whole ton of information about it yet outside of a few social media posts. But it's gonna gonna come in five sizes each, of course, in my father tradition, twenty three count boxes. Um, depending on the size, it'll retail from eight to eleven dollars a stick. I uh, didn't catch blend components on this one, but uh, if it's anything like the original line, man, it's got to be a winner. Yeah, the original I think was made in Miami. Yeah, um, you know, and they were getting tobacco from other sources that those sources are no longer available to them. So I'm wondering to see how it will compare to the original. Hmm. I can't. I, yeah. <laughs> Well, moving on, I think we're pretty yeah, much away before one of us gets in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a couple other cigars we can talk about with other sources, too. Cool. Um, what else have you been enjoying this week or this month or this day at the rate you smoke cigars? What, what's jumped out at you recently that, that has surprised you? Like, kudos to David Garofalo, who lets his employees smoke whatever they want. Um, as long as they're on the clock, smoke whatever you want, and... No charge. 
Dang, I think I'd be volunteering for extra hours. Yeah, which which is is so great. I mean, especially since uh, it was mentioned this past week or a couple weeks ago um, about a shop in Nevada that doesn't allow their employees to smoke while working. Um, so you know, here, here's Dave, totally opposite, and it's good for for any cigar business because the salesperson knows what they're selling. They've experienced it, they've tasted it, they know about it. Uh, but the cigars that I really enjoyed. Um, recently, and, and you know, not to be a, a broken record, um, but I liked Atabe, uh from Nelson Alfonso. I like Byron from Nelson Alfonso. Um, I like the Jericho Hill. Um, mm-hmm. I love the branded Nesta Miranda Collection Connecticut that I smoked this past week. Um, really good Nicaraguan Connecticut. Um, similar to what was the special selection, uh, but it tastes like it was tweaked ever so slightly. Um, that there was a little bit more complexity to it. Um, so I enjoyed that. Um, I loved the Davidoff Golden Band Award um, 2014 edition um, that's available at like 12 Davidoff White Label shops, of which twoguyscigars.com is one. And uh, the Debonair Medora uh, from Phil Zengi, who was the original... It was Rocky Patel's original partner when they had Indian tobacco. And uh, Debonair came out a couple years ago. And uh, this year at the trade show, um, they released the um, Debonair Maduro. I think when I reviewed it, I gave it maybe like a 92 or a 93. And every time I smoke it, I'm rethinking the score I gave it. And I'm thinking it's worthy more than a 92 or a 93. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's that good. And, you know, the Atabay is only the, only the second cigar that I gave 100 rating to with the Nelson Alfonso Atabay. You know, and I, a couple of weeks ago I reviewed that. I gave that 100. And the other cigar, just so you know, that I've given 100 to was a Padron Principe uh, Natural. Um, so those are the only two cigars that have been perfect in, in my book. Uh, but th- that's what I've been smoking lately. You know, a lot of people just completely focus on Maduro from from Padron and never even talk about the Naturals. But I think there's some of their like the Natural 1964 Anniversario is just a fantastic smoke. Yeah, which is the Principe that I had given, you know, which is the shortest size that I had given a hundred. So, um, but yeah, to me, the Natural just seems to have a little bit more flavor. Cool. Well, I see what I got here. I have just the the secondary band left. I think I smoked the um, My Father Connecticut this week, and I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Connecticut Leaf to start with, but this one, in comparison to other My Fathers, I would put this one pretty far down the list for my personal favorites. It just just didn't jump out at me. Had a little bit of bitterness that crept in every once in a while, and you know I, I don't know that I would call it a bad cigar. I certainly wouldn't. Uh, it was well made, good tobacco. Just wasn't my cup of tea for flavors. Um, had the uh, actually had this one this morning. Another find I picked up at Tampa Humidor last night. The uh, Monte Pascal, Pascal, Pascual. Uh, say that for every which way I've heard it pronounced. Uh, from West Gensel and, and the guys down in Brazil, and they had these blowing them out at two dollars and seventy cents a stick. Uh, which they started out at six something, I think, and I, I'm assuming they're dropping the line. But I've heard some rumblings and rumors that maybe uh, the, that they've had some 
troubles with their distributorship here in the U.S. and can't really bring them into the country at the moment. Um, hopefully they'll get that resolved because they make some pretty good cigars. And of the two Brazilian lines I'm familiar with, they're certainly my, my favorite, hands down. Uh, the other one I got, this came in the mail as a surprise from Drew Estate, the Balmoral. And I don't know much about it. There was a thumb drive in there with some information I haven't gone through yet. Um, it was a solid smoke. I don't know that I'll go out and buy a box of them, but I wouldn't be hesitant to smoke it again. Uh, the first time I smoked the Balmoral, I was like, uh, I don't know. And I, I was hanging out at a cigar bar after hours when I got off of my job. And one of the guys there was like, oh, you got to smoke it again. You got to give it another shot. Because the, the cigars, it's, it's advertises in Inyejo. And based upon the tattoo on your arm, you probably have the same thoughts as me. When you say Inyejo, you think Fuente. Yeah. This Inyejo tastes nothing like a Fuente Inyejo. So I decided, no. I decided to try the Balmoral again. I said, all right, let me not compare it to a, a, the Inyejo that we all associate, and that's one thing. So I smoked it a second time, and I was like, all right, you know what? It's not that bad. And then I gave it a third shot for a review, and I liked it a little bit more. So it kind of grew on me. Now that I reviewed it a month ago, I haven't picked up another one. So yeah. it was one of those cigars that just tastes so different. You're kind of expecting it to be something else, uh, but it's not. But it's still good in its own right. But when you think in Yeho, you want to reach for something else. At least that's my personal opinion, and you know what they say about opinions. Yeah, I, it's certainly not It's not even the same style. or I mean, It's apples and oranges to a Fuente and Yeho. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of there with you. I Like I said, I... Uh, I wouldn't hesitate to smoke it, but I'm not going to go chase down a box of them. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Well, what else we got going on here tonight? Well, I had a question. I, I've noticed a couple of things, and, and it came to mind last night, um, that recently uh, La Huada released the Nunchucks, uh, of course, made by the uh, uh, Espinosa's factory over there. I forget what it's called at the moment. Um, but uh, it's two cigars held together by a, a, a twist of tobacco and fashioned to look like nunchucks and, of course, packaged together into one, two cigars in one piece. And then last night I saw that uh, the Camacho Double Shocks had already landed on the shelf down in Tampa, and uh, I, it, they are packaged in twos as well. There's two of them kind of bound together by a, a little piece of paper. And <laughs> it just made me think how much of this... I don't, I don't even want to call it a trend after two cigars that I can think of, but how, how much of that is creative packaging and you know, how it, much is just a trick to get you to buy two cigars? It's funny. The, the first person to put together two cigars um, similar to that in the nunchucks was actually David Garofalo, two guys, smoke shop. And, uh, you know, kudos to the guys from, from La Jugada who, you know, they they asked Dave if they you know he would mind if they did something similar and of course you know David said you know you have my blessing you know I, I evidently I don't have a trademark of two cigars held together or packaging two cigars um, so you know it's something that's been done before um, is it to buy get the consumer to buy two cigars maybe um, is it 
the new way of like you know, Macanudo has the, the the two sticks in the in the humid pouches and gas stations and what have you. Is yeah. this the way to do it at a premium cigar shop? I don't know. Um, is it a cool idea? Yeah. You know, a lot of times I'll go into a cigar shop. I'll buy one cigar. I'll sit down. I'll smoke the cigar. Um, and I think everybody that walks into a cigar shop should buy a cigar and not bring their own. Yeah, so that's my opinion. So, the, like the the double shock and the nunchuck, it, it, you know, I'm going to buy a nunchuck and share it with my friend. Well, sure. Technically, you're buying one cigar for two people. I mean, yeah, you t- you separate it and you give one each. So in a way, it kind of hurts the consumer uh, in the sense that he's losing out a a second sale. Um, but in a way, it forces a consumer to to buy two, and thus the the retailer moves through the box quicker, and maybe it creates a quicker reorder. Um, I don't know. And you know, you know, you got one guy, you got four guys coming in buying, you know, four each. Well, now there's eight cigars missing from the box. So now it looks like the cigars even selling quicker than it is. So you know, smoke and mirrors, I guess. Right. There's a lot of ways to look at it. Creative packaging, uh, creating a a false impression of how quick the cigar is selling, uh, forcing the consumer who's coming in looking to buy two cigars into buying two of a specific brand, or you know, one of it's the cool factor, the nunchucks. I mean, that's a cool factor to me. Uh, yeah, it is. It looks like a nunchuck. Um, so I don't know. I guess there's many different ways of looking at it. Yeah, I agree on the cool factor. I'm a sucker for packaging at times. I'll I'll buy something like that in a heartbeat. Yeah, but I'll always buy something like that once, see if yep. I like it, and then if it's you know, you can have the coolest packaging in the world, but the cigar is not good. The packaging means nothing. I have been quoted many times on this very show of saying that exact thing that I'm a sucker for packaging, but the packaging will only sell me one cigar. I agree with that. So I don't know if I owe you now like a quarter for the trademark. <laughs> you know, just think it as a consumer though. Well, this these packaging, the the double shock and the the nunchuck. Just thinking as a consumer, it would be even that much cooler to me if there were two different cigars. You know, maybe it's the same blend with a different wrapper and let you try them out and see how they differ, or or, or some kind of twist on that where you get a chance to, you know, you're making some comparison between the two. Definitely, and the, the double shack has cool packaging because you know you, you got you know, a cool presentation rather because you got a barber pole cigar, and mm-hmm. on one, of that, one of them it's the lighter wrapper over the darker wrapper, and then on the other one it's the darker wrapper over the lighter wrapper, so it, it kind of creates this cool visual effect in the box. It kind of looks like two separate, two different cigars. It's the same blend. It's just the way that the wrapper's layered on top looks different. It it does, and it's funny when I hear people talk about all the differences in a within one cigar as they're smoking down in the different wrappers, and and I it kills me because every time I've seen somebody roll a barber pole, there's an overlap there, so you're always smoking both wrapper leaves at any given moment in the cigar. Yep. So, but I I, I don't know how much they agree with that though, because it seems like when the darker wrapper is burning, it tastes differently. Um, but I'll attribute that to that the darker wrapper is on top, so you're getting that aroma that much uh, that much more dominant the, uh, in the room. 
is more important than what you're actually tasting because you, your tongue can only taste what is it? It's it's the tip, it's the back, it's the sides, it's the top. So that's five different areas. So what is it? Salty, bitter, sweet, so on, tartans, you know, tartan bitter is the same. But it's five different sections of the palate. When you, when you really taste the nuts or coffee, the aroma is playing a lot into that because you're, you know, getting the sweetness of, um, say, a citric note. You know what? Your your tongue's only telling you it's sweet. Something else is telling you it's citrus. And exactly. Consciousness of the aroma triggers the sweetness to be citric. And so yeah, a huge part of what you perceive when you're tasting something comes through your nose. So and, I think burns depending on what wrapper's on top. I think it does to a degree change your perception of what the notes are you're getting off of a cigar. Could be. I I might agree with that. I might have to do some more sampling <laughs> to try. But uh, it, it always surprises me when people, uh, especially folks who write up reviews, say that they can't or don't retrohale. And it, it just kills me. It doesn't seem like you can get the full experience of the cigar without doing that, at least on occasion. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, all I get is pepper through the nose. The more you do it, the less it'll be about the pepper. Um, you know, your sinuses will adapt, so to speak, and mm-hmm. then you have to pick up some more of the flavors. So, you know, I had a conversation with Jose Blanco, formerly of La Aurora, formerly of Hoy de Nicaragua, and now at Los Cambres, and he asked me once, how often do you retrohale? And I'll say, and I told him maybe one out of five I'll retrohale and He's like, that's it. You should be doing it on every or close to it. I should be doing it more. Whatever it was every, I don't remember. But I can't, me personally, I can't do it every time. And I've been smoking six, seven cigars a day since 1998. Um, yeah. But I, I, you still have to do it to help open up your, 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 what you're tasting. So. Oh, I remember specifically the very first My Father cigar I had. It was the the Robusto, I think they call it the number one in their standard My Father line. I just retroheld that joker off the bat, and it just ate me alive. It, it was nasal napalm, man. It, it felt like it had just gutted the inside of my head. I, I was not expecting it at all, um, but I have grown to absolutely love that cigar and will retroheld the crap out of it. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, like how you smoke is your own preference, you know. Um, just because we'll smoke a cigar, you know, and I'll get notes of A, B, and C, you'll get notes uh, D, E, and F. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'll, call, I'll pull Coop into the conversation. He'll get H, I, J. doesn't mean any of us are right, and it doesn't mean any of us are wrong. It's all about perception. I always used to joke around as a cigar reviewer, I'm like a used car salesman. Uh, but the, it, it's a guideline, you know. It, what you taste is is so, so subjective that it's really up to the person smoking to figure out what they're tasting. So. Yeah, and and when we divide the tongue up into those sections, that's not a hundred percent rule. Some some people have more concentrated uh, types of perceptors in the different areas. So, what impact a particular flavor has on that person is different from from one guy to the next. Totally. Well, cool. I think I'll uh, wrap up what I'm getting here out of this cigar. I don't know that it's really uh, made any drastic change. It's stayed 
pretty sweet overall, even after the the applied sweetness to the the head of the cigars kind of faded away. Extremely mild. I think they definitely accomplished their goal with making a mild cigar. I think you know they are marketing it to the beginning cigar smoker. I think that that's fine. I wouldn't hesitate to smoke it again, but just like a couple of the others we talked about, I'm not going to go buy a box of these, but I certainly wouldn't have an issue with keeping, you know, half a dozen of them around just for maybe I, you know, I'm just not in the in the frame of mind or constitution to have a stronger cigar. This this would really fit the bill. It's it's enough that you know you're smoking a cigar, but it's never going to overpower you. I agree with that completely. It's definitely uh it's a mild cigar, and yeah. pretty much as mild as they come. Well, before we uh, wrap up the whole show, you got any uh, anything else you want to chat up or put another plug in for Two Guys and Cigar Authority? Well, you know, we're, we're talking about flavors and what you get and, you know, the, the aroma. And one of the things that we've been discussing over at the Cigar Authority lately is also a lot of times the name of the manufacturer can change your perception of the cigar. So if you're smoking a, a My Father, you, you're going to say, oh, those cigars are peppery. Um, if you're smoking a, um, well, you just smoked an Insidious. Oh, it's a sweet tip cigar. Um, how much of it is being told to you by the name of the cigar, the label of the cigar, and the MO, the modus operandi of the company? Um, so the Cigar Authority with twoguyscigars.com, um, we're doing this thing called the Blind Taste Test. And uh, what it is is it's 14 cigars, and it's kind of like a NCAA tournament where the first week, uh, the first the first round, rather, would be eight cigars. And they'll be numbered, so you would smoke one verse two, and then you would vote between one and two which one you like better, and you would do the same for three and four five and six, and seven and eight. And then the winners would go to the next round, which we would send out again. So the winner of one verse two would go against the winner of three verse four, and we would go all the way to the end each week um, until there's only one cigar left, and that would be the cigar that wins the tournament. And what we're doing at the Cigar Authority is um, every year um, they put their contenders of the year out. Um, which are a listing of cigars uh, that will come somehow fall into their top ten um, cigars and the cigar of the year. So through the blind taste test, the winner of that will get an automatic nomination into the potential for cigar of the year. Uh, but it, what it is is it's a great opportunity to smoke some cigars that might be in your everyday rotation and how will they compare up against a cigar that you've overlooked because you didn't like the band or you thought you didn't like the company? Um, so it'll allow you to sm- – you'll honestly be smoking two cigars of almost the exactly same size um, and not knowing what they are where you still like brand A over brand B. Um, so it's a really cool thing, and there's a there's – a, Graphic right on the front page of twoguyscigars.com and on the right-hand side of the Cigar Authority on how you can get into that blind taste test. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> once again, if you mention, you know, in the comment section that you heard about it on Half Ash, I'm sure I'll be able to throw a cap in there 
of a cigar um, that's not part of the taste test, uh, just so you don't have any pre uh, preconceived uh, notions of what you might be smoking. Um, so I just think that's a pretty cool thing. And at work, I've told them I don't want to know what the uh, what this, the eight brands are. I don't want to I don't want to have anything to do with removing the band and putting a, a blank band on it with a number. I actually want to see how much the band has affected what I like in cigars. You know, I'm a Nicaraguan guy. I'm a Nicaraguan guy because I just, you know, I'm attracted to the band. Will a Nicaraguan cigar still win for me over, say, a Honduran cigar? You know, not knowing that it's Honduran, will, how will it change my perception of what I'm smoking? So it's a pretty cool thing. It's a, called a blind taste test. And uh, if you want to get in on it, I would suggest going to twoguyscigars.com or thecigarauthority.com and click the link, and that will take you to where you can purchase the cigars. Cool. I, I absolutely love that idea. And that's the very reason we do unbanded segments on the show uh, every month. And and I've been caught off guard a number of times and, and humbled a number of times. We, we overall have a pretty decent record with at least getting the uh, the predominant country of origin in the tobacco and Sometimes even brands. Uh, uh, once or twice, we've even nailed specifically what the cigar was. Where, you know, once I'd I'd smoked the cigar the day before we had it as an unbanded, and it was really clear exactly what that cigar was. I remember you and I we we, we took part and we met somewhere on the east coast of Florida with Bob McDuffie and his wife um, at a cigar shop where they did a uh, cigar media TV. I think it was live. Mm -hmm. and Bob McDuffie's wife was in charge of picking out a cigar every week for people to smoke on the blind. Mm -hmm. And everybody in the room um, got the same cigar. And I remember a few people saying that they didn't particularly care for said cigar. And a few people said they liked said cigar. And then at the end, when it was revealed what the cigar is, people were shocked. I mean, I remember there was one guy who said he was a fan of the company, but when he didn't know that the company was the cigar, he didn't like it. Yeah. So, so how much did the artwork and the presentation play into his perception on whether or not he liked the cigar? Exactly, and I believe those were Alec Bradley seconds, the, the line they put out called seconds. Yeah, it, it was. That's right. I totally. I knew it was an Alec Bradley. I just couldn't remember the brand. And <laughs> I remember one of the early unbandits we did here on Half Ashed was the uh, a Cabaguan Maduro. We that's one of Craig's favorite cigars. We talked for a good ten minutes specifically about that cigar, not knowing that's what we were smoking, and, and got to the end and we're just incredibly humbled that we spent time talking about that specific cigar and did not even know what we were smoking. That, that's pretty awesome because it, it just goes to show you preconceived notions. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're only... Uh, uh, one other plug, you know, when you're not checking out thecigarme.com um, or half-ashed, feel free to check out um, thecigarauthority.com. Um, updated multiple times a day. Uh, cigar news, cigar lore, cigar reviews, and uh, our own podcast. And once we make the transition from Ustream to uh, Google Hangouts, Kip, I hope you'll be able to join us on our show and uh, as, a, as a guest for one of our segments. And uh, we should be making the transition um, as soon as we get back in our main studio on a weekly basis. 
Uh, we got a lot of road trips coming up. Uh, we're doing a show in Connecticut, a show down in Tampa uh, at the J.C. Newman factory. Um, so maybe I'll see if there's a way I could get you. You know, I'm not going to be going on that trip because it was booked before I came on board. Uh, but I know that's right in your backyard, and you're tight with the Newman family as well. Um, you know, I guess that tattoo on your arm gives you a carte blanche. <laughs> but maybe, you know, I could find out a way for you to cross paths and say hello and, you know, look forward to maybe getting you on the show um, one day in the near future. I'd love it. That sounds outstanding. And i got to give you some props on the, the CigarAuthority.com. And since you came on board, you've just been tearing it up. I, I can't believe the amount of content you've been pumping out. Now, it's, I'm, I'm, I am really amazed at how much that site picked up and how frequently they're updating these days. You, yeah, you were I, updating. I love the fact that, I mean, the podcast has a million downloads. Um, the, the, the readership is up almost 800%. Um, so, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about with fake followers. Um, there's no reason to say numbers are X, Y, and Z with the site not being updated, but now the site's updated and X, Y, and Z just happened because of the constant content. Yeah, exactly. Well, folks, as we are winding down, I just want to give an extra special thanks to Barry for coming and hanging out with me and, uh, certainly appreciate it. And you are welcome anytime, sir. Uh, you just uh, say the word and the invite's there. Thanks, man. And uh, next time we won't make it so much an infomercial, uh, but I do appreciate you allowing me to pitch my new jobs, you know, between the, the cigar shop and the, the website. And uh, oh. I definitely miss the fact that we're no longer three hours away from each other, that we can't cut and light in person, uh, but it's always a pleasure to be a part of your show, and uh, I look forward to doing it again and definitely cutting and lighting with you in the near future. Absolutely. Well, everyone, uh, we thank you for tuning in as well, whether you're live here in the chat room tonight or listening uh, through a download in the days and weeks to come. Uh, next week, Craig will be back with us, I believe, and we will be smoking an unbanded cigar, which will be number 18 from Zed Man, who is in the chat room tonight. Uh, if you got any comments, concerns, compliments, or complaints, you can email those to us, uh, Craig at thecigarmy.com or Kip at thecigarmy.com. Uh, complaints specifically should go to Craig. Uh, that's where I like them to go. If you have any unbanded suggestions or submissions, uh, submissions, you can email us at either of those two addresses, and we'll hook you up with an address to send them to. And if you just have a suggestion, uh, you can email that suggestion to info at thecigarme.com. And uh, my wife, Christy, gets all those emails, and she'll take care of sourcing them for us. And uh, we certainly appreciate it. And in the meantime, you can find me or Craig at halfash.com or thecigarme.com and uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram out there. Uh, I try not to have fake followers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you can grab me there, and uh, you can also check out the forum at halfash.com. It's uh, getting a little bit more activity and growing now that we have all the software issues settled and taken care of, so you can come join us over there. Uh, there's a lot of discussion and learning going on throughout the week on my part and your part and everybody's part, uh, and, uh, and we're glad to have it and glad to have you. So uh, anyway, we're going to wrap up here, and... Uh, Hopefully Craig will be back next week and we'll be in good shape. And we thank you for listening.